bag move of the century. What was it? I missed it. You missed it, Brett. Did <laughs> no, start, oh, no. I got a story. I got it's a story to your, tell. Start this. Split your we fingers. It, we're already started. It's already started. Yeah, yeah we're you, split your, <laughs> you, you split your fingers into a V and you lick in between them. That's what the, Yo, noise, the, the have, thing that the, just the thing that Brett, Brett just did. I have to tell. It's like such a d bag thing. Go. Welcome to the oh. Hold on, real quick. <laughs> Welcome to the oh dear podcast. My name is Christian Duran, senior vice president of the oh dear podcast. Oh dear nation. Oh dear limited. With me as always are the two co-hosts of the show, Nick Whitmer and Brett Rabel. Brett, Booyah. you just, I, you I just shot, shot the, the tongue, shot you guys. The v, really the cool, the cool guy thing to do. Where you know you put that and you'll yeah you like just to be like yeah man I, I, yeah I hook up I'm cool. I wanted to tell this story. Go ahead. <laughs> so yeah. when I was first got to New York, I was interviewing at what really loud. Your light, your mic just got okay. really loud. Is that quieter? I don't know if you changed something. Is that better? Yeah, it like blew okay, up. cool. So when I first got to New York, yeah, I was interviewing yeah. Yeah. some media company. I really can't remember what, and. Um, I looked on the guy who was interviewing me's desk. He was a guy in his like fifties. He was, you know, like a really buttoned up normal gentleman. And the photo was of him and his son on a fishing boat and his son and had, uh, and him were holding up fish and I, on his desk, they were holding up a fish, and then they were also doing the V in between the lips with the tongue out look. And he was How like old is his son? 18. <laughs> no, he was like 15, was 16 like or something. Or something? And I remember uh, just looking okay. at it and going, and this was the oh photo God. on the desk of like, come into my office. Like, this is one of my family yeah. photos that, you know, this is what I work for. And I just remember, I never brought it up. And I was like, does he know? Did his son tell him to do that? Like, it's just like a cool gesture. Does he know that it means like we're eating pussy? They were holding a fish. They. (laughs) (laughs) Dad, dad, do fish lips. (laughs) And it's just, has no one told him? Like, I'm not the first. There's no way this photo has been on his desk for one day. And I'm the first person who I just, I didn't know. It just like made me laugh. Okay. I have two things. I have one. I hope that the sun is just this like sociopathic person who told him like, do the fish lips thing, dad. And then gave him that picture for as a Christmas present to be like, yeah, you can put it in your office. In, and then I hope that he knew the entire time what it was. Also, if you saw a picture like that, I guarantee you like one out of the two people, one of their names would be Brad. A hundred percent. One of them would be Brad. I don't remember the gentleman's name, but maybe his son was a Brad. I can try and find it. That is, that's so, uh, it's so lame. <laughs> um, I don't know what the, I, I just don't know what the, like, what, what, yeah. what is the appeal of doing it? You know what I mean? Like there, there's also like a thing where like at some point a woman is going to yeah, come into that office yeah, and go, oh, here's me and here's my son. Here's me and my son and being fucking awesome. Them, like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is that awesome? Like who decided that there's like, 
and it always goes back to this for me, but it's like, there's something in the water in the late nineties, early two thousands where like <laughs> that and the shocker were like the coolest fucking things you could do. Like anything yeah. that like anything <laughs> where you could do a code for sex in mainstream public was like, yeah. Fucking Dane sick. cook in that same era had his super finger thing. Like there was yeah. something about like a hand gesture, you know, it's funny. It's like, I, I think that there's a level in term time in your life when you get a little like, softer or something because for some reason like i've seen a lot of people do the v thing but for some reason when brett did it it literally was like repulsive to me and and not necessarily because it was brett but just like thinking about people who are like yeah that's right Ah, i eat pussy it's like what do you do like what what is the fucking it's fucking repulsive i think you're you're lying i think you saw me do it and you're like damn i can't eat pussy like that like that's I think you just felt a real sense of uh, insecurity and inadequacy, and you're 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 re- projecting onto me that you're repulsed by it. But really, you just need to you're repulsed by your own uh, sexual inabilities. <laughs> I need some lessons. My favorite. <laughs> My favorite kind of person is the person who does that kind of the, the V thing, the V tongue thing. And then just goes, ah, and then he's like, like really hacky, like, like cough, like just phlegmy, phlegmy cough. Cause it always makes me think of like, Oh, their insides are as disgusting as their outside. (laughs) Yeah. It's like they, it's like they, they smoke cigarettes and drink monster energy drinks. They're just, they're just that guy. It's just what cool guys do that, that you're right. There's something about coded language, like (laughs) codedly, but like so unsubtly, that's the thing. It's like, no one was like, huh? I wonder what he's implying by a, it's it's like fake subversion because it's like it's it's the way to be edgy in that like well the normies don't know what i'm talking about but you know one of the pink two in the stink right Right. we're doing it in public isn't that crazy but that's why like this this next generation is so weird to me because they're all like climate activists when they're 12 it's like you never had a flick off the camera face you never had like the eat the pussy (laughs) like you never you never did anything like embarrassingly cringy you're just like talking about climate science and you're 12 like dude what did he like you need it's gonna it's gonna happen in their like early 30s when they have kids it's gonna be so weird for them i this is yeah 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 this is something well, we and I were talking about. No, no I'm sorry. Go uh, ahead. Uh, and I think it's true. The This generation of, of teens and kids, our generation, the way we bullied, like way people bullied was they would call things gay. This generation, the way they bully is they call things homophobic. Mm-hmm. Does that like if you're called if you used to be called gay yeah, like yeah. <laughs> that was like that's funny the diss and then now it's like you're homophobic that's how you get bullied yeah like no I'm not so hom- <laughs> yeah that's the that's new really gay funny. that's the end well, of the it's so thought funny be- no go ahead sorry uh, sorry. <laughs> uh well I I've been saying this for a while but it's like um every they're so sincere now and like activists and like so responsible that I think when they in their youth that I think when they get to like forties and fifties and have their midlife crises, they're going to be, they're going to go the exact opposite way and realize they wasted their youth being responsible and they're just going to go <laughs> incredibly dangerous and like 
just doing the V signs at each other all day. <laughs> you know what it'll be? It'll be like 40 years from now or 30 years from now, they're going to bring back like uh, Hummers, like anything that's bad for the environment, <laughs> like really poor gas yeah. mileage that like they're going to bring back like the shittiest vehicles to, to harm the environment that gets like six miles bright a green, like, Bright green, bright green Hummers all with like 69 written on it. And like the giant Rolling Stones tongue. I had neighbors growing up who they had, Uh, keep in mind, this is a pretty, you know, well-to-do suburb of Kansas City, nicely paved roads. And yet our neighbors thought they needed to have an enormous, enormous bright yellow Humvee. And... And one day, they had it for about five years, and one day, I noticed, huh, their Hummer looks a little different. I asked my neighbor, Andrew, I said, uh, would you take it into the shop? He goes, no, the old Hummer broke down, so we got a new one. It just makes me laugh that, like, I'm going to re-up on a Honda one day. Like, I'm like, I currently have an 01 Honda. I'm like, it's really reliable. I'm going to get yeah. another Honda probably 2015 or something right but just the idea of like that hummer like we need to have a second hummer is crazy to me yeah it's like you didn't get the clue when the first one died <laughs> like <laughs> after five years of owning it you, you, you doubled down and got family. another what do you one need a hummer for to, you're going to buca de beppo why do you need a hummer to drive to fucking caravas yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, groceries. Groceries. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is that is the dumbest car. So much so that like during like it was being in a made bush fun of in the bush the era it was popular. You know <laughs> yeah, <what I> mean? <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. Post nine eleven, America. Right. Fuck yeah! <laughs> like it's not like it's not like in the eighties people were right. making fun of like leggings and shit. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Like people weren't necessarily even that era when no like America's (laughs) taste was at kind of an all time low. Uh, Even that era, the tasteless were like that's pretty fucking pointless and tasteless. (laughs) I love that. I kind of love that era because it was so tasteless. It was so bad that it's like it's funny to me. Like trucker hats hung. Trucker hats on guys and jeans. You know why trucker hats? Ashton Kutcher started to wear them and punked. And it was Ashton Kutcher who made trucker hats this really popular, cool thing. Uh, And, you know, I actually have a trucker hat. I guess I don't have it with me, but you can picture it. Yeah, that was like the last era of mean-spirited anything. <laughs> like, punk was even like making Justin Timberlake cry on the first episode of Punk. Like, you wouldn't even get away with that now. But, be like but so there, we punks were mean. That was the that. that was like it was a yeah. slightly mean, but still somewhat playful to celebrities. We're when we're mean to celebrities. Yeah, it was like it's like we're just like you're like racist. Like that's there's no punk anymore. It's just like you're a fucking racist, and we don't get to watch their uh self-involvement and their hot you know big-headedness if they're if they're the new version of punk would just be to catch a predator 
<laughs> it, it would just be somebody, somebody it'll be fucking uh, Ronan Farrow fucking catfishing celebrities <laughs> and then they walk in the door and then there he's sitting there and he's uh, like, you're just a piece of shit, aren't you? Have a seat. That would be the new version of Punked. That'd be great if there was like a predator. That'd be funny if that was the, the by the way, the slogan, like Chris Hansen catches a pedophile and he's like, yeah, it was called punked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to start a show, uh, you know, um, it's called, uh, yeah. it's the opposite of to catch predator. It's called to free a predator. And what we do is every episode we follow Chris, we, we oh free every episode. We follow Chris <laughs> Hansen around. And then when he's got a predator locked up, we kick down the door and we go, 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 go. And we block Hansen <laughs> to catch, yeah, to catch and release a predator. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite. I never really saw that show, but there was like, um, they used to play clips of it on the radio sometimes when they were, they played clips of it from one guy uh, who got oh, caught twice on that show. <laughs> <laughs> the worst luck of all time, dude. Jesus oh, Christ. So the first time he gets caught, and I guess he had like a good excuse or something, or he got away. He's one of those yeah. guys that like saw the cameras and just bolted. <laughs> so, so you know, the first, the whole setup is they have like a person pretending to be a kid, and they're like, hey, come over. My parents are out of town. Right. They, they it's really them, fucked basically. up what they Just do like, to these not men. entrap, but you know, they, it's really fucked up. It's a little bit close to entrapment, but <laughs> I'm not I'm not defending <laughs> I'm, them. I'm to <laughs> that's what like, I want to get across. That's the injustice <laughs> yeah. that's but, happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, they they go to the he goes to the house and they're like, "So what are you doing here? Did you know she was?" you know 11 and then they you know they have that whole episode and then uh then like two weeks later they're like, we caught him again and uh this time this time we asked uh, we asked him to meet us at a mcdonald's parking lot so then uh it, sh- it shows him like rolling up to the mcdonald's and they're like he's like hey, ah, <laughs> come on this guy <laughs> they're hiding behind a corner with the camera and as soon as he sees the camera he knows what's going on and he doesn't like th- his words are amazing he goes I was just trying to get something to eat I was just trying to get something to eat <laughs> I wonder what he said the first time to get away with it I wonder yeah. if he's like oh, I was dyslexic when she said 12 I thought she meant 21 <laughs> yeah, I don't know I don't know how he got away with it the first time but it's just so funny your defense is not like if you were really trying to get something to eat, you would just go yeah, like, what the fuck are those cameras doing here? What are you guys doing here again? This is weird. You wouldn't immediately go, I was just trying to get something to eat. That was the most, like clearly yeah. like incriminating thing you can say. I'm not here to fuck the kid. I'm not here to fuck the kid. Oh my God. Could you, could you imagine get, getting caught the first time? And then not even giving it like uh, like a half a year where you try to clean up your act. Literally the next week you're out there. Yeah, again. you really shouldn't have to sign two release forms for pedophilia. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the genius of it. He signed what? a release well, they, they had to. <laughs> did they pay him? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be on TV. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they showed his face. I always wondered that. Like, what? Because if it were you, if it were if you were a lawyer and you had a client, you'd be like, "Yeah, don't sign that." 
Yeah. Like, I'm not going to let that be permissible in right. court. You're like the video of you showing up, you know? <laughs> so like, how do they even get them to sign it? Do they be like, hey, listen, we'll give you some, for, for, I mean, what? I don't even know. They, they probably work with the, with the courts and with the uh, prosecutors and they're like, look, we'll give you a deal. If you sign the release <laughs> and, and uh, plead guilty, we'll give you two years. Or are they like, will you sign the release? No. Might be a thing. You get to be on TV. All right, bring it over here. <laughs> like, is being on TV at that time is it so like alluring? You're like, all right, you know, everyone will know on this national one of the most famous shows that I'm a pedophile. But the guy's like, well, I did talk, so do I get a SAG card? <laughs> what's the yeah? What's the royalty? Do I get into the union? Like, uh, can I use that as a credit? Uh, this guy was on to catch a predator. <laughs> He's been on Conan twice <laughs> to catch a predator three times. That would be so- <laughs> <laughs> that'd be su- that's such a, a like open mic comic intro for you. You know what I mean? That's like yeah, a Slotsburg in- intro yeah, <laughs> like that they would give you, where they were just like, "Oh, what do you want me to bring you up as?" And you're like, "I don't care. I say whatever." They'd be like, "All right, this next comic." He was on it to catch a predator. <laughs> that have, guy. Have you had any of those intros uh, where a so uh, local guy was like trying? I had one at a, a black show, uh, a black room, the intro. And even the host, as she was doing it, was like, this is such a limp. She goes like that. They haven't. No one in the crowd has seen that of uh, the white guy, like you know, the corny looking white guy is coming up. So her, yeah. what she was saying doesn't really make sense. But she was like, "Okay, everybody. Okay, all right. So we're about to enter the gluten free portion of the show, <laughs> and people are just confused because they don't right. even know. Like it's just like what? Yeah." Um, it- if she said you're white and then said we're about to be in the gluten-free portion of the show, then it would be like, oh, okay. <laughs> but like, then they're just yeah, expecting yeah. some black like, vegan to come up. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great comedy name. Everyone give it up for the black vegan. <laughs> black vegan. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, did they... Uh, they're like, this did you tell me that white. someone one time give him a chance? <laughs> someone is like, give him a chance. Said that, yeah. Uh. Right. <laughs> like he hasn't even gone on stage yet. <laughs> Those rooms are not elegant at all, man. Like it's, no. I, I don't, I think I might have told the story the, the last time we talked about the black rooms, but. Um, I did one where like the host literally like interrupted. It's just a, a black restaurant. Everybody's eating. It's like wing night. So like everybody's there for like the two for one wings. And it's like, there's no stage. It's just a regular restaurant. And then someone with a microphone just sh- literally walks out onto the floor in between tables and starts doing comedy. Right. Mm-hmm. But this woman walks up. And she just goes, y'all got to shut up. Y'all got to shut the fuck up. Like, no, I'm into the mic. And everybody's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then the music gets cut off. And then she's like, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. And then everybody finally <laughs> shuts up. And then she's like, 
we got a comedy show. Here's your first comedian. And then she brought me up. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, that's how you started the show? You just went out there and told everybody to shut the fuck up. And then you brought me on? Like, what is your... Like, I was so puzzled by it. Because I was like, if she's an aspiring comedian, like, shouldn't she try some material? Like, what are you doing this for? Or are you... Are you, do you, are you not a comic and you like work at the bar or something? You I, know I was, it was the worst about, that I've ever had, probably. You know, act, like rest, black restaurants, restaurants that are like kind of in the hood or at the very least are really just black people, mostly black people eat at them. Um, they never have that no racism sign. Do you know those, those signs? Like none of the actual black restaurants are like racism <laughs> yeah. will not be tolerated yeah. here. It's always the coffee shop with eleven dollar <laughs> yeah. espresso and fourteen dollar scones, where they're like, "Don't be a." Right. I saw one of those signs at a. It was like a fucking pet store. The pet store had it had like one of those pun names. You're like, <laughs> what racist dog owners are coming in here and just like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really wanted to. Oh, yeah, I like some pit bulls to train against black people. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess I'll just go to the other one down the street. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, well, but, dang, let's go. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I, I was trying to do a bit about it. Like, there's a restaurant in my neighborhood that's just, it's in Park Slope, Brooklyn. It's a little adorable eatery. And and they've always had it's a small area it's a small restaurant that always had one bathroom it always had one bathroom and then one day they put up a big sign on the bathroom door that said this is an all gender bathroom i'm like you can't do that when you only have one bathroom like it was always an all gender bathroom it was (laughs) like you can't just put up a sign and act like you're a hero when that's the only option there is anyway and then you think about it like well who is that for like they were in park slope you think like some bigot is going to walk in and be that like, wait a second. The, like that's the, the I wonder it. if like, uh, yeah. you know how we roll our eyes at like no racism signs at restaurants, like a yuppie restaurants. I wonder if in like the sixties yeah. and fifties, if like there were white people who, when a restaurant put whites only, they're like, oh, it's like so annoying. Like we know, <laughs> like, <laughs> Like the way we're, we think that's annoying. Like they, they're like, oh, yeah, no yeah. shit. Like, yeah, like, it's a restaurant. Yeah, no like, so we get it. You're bragging about how you're racist. Like, fuck off, John. Like, yeah, people eat. They, uh, here. I do want to ask any of those restaurants, like, you know, and they're just taking your order. So, do you have any questions? Like, yeah, hi, is, uh, can I be racist or, <laughs> like, is that chill or? Do you mind if I eat racist? Oh, okay, no. Do you mind they, if I'm racist? Th- that's the thing. What like do they put everything oh, that's okay. not allowed? Why don't they say no pedophilia? Yeah. They got all of them. They're like no transphobia, yeah, no yeah. fat shaming, no. Uh, you know they. I, I don't know. I'm just fucking freewheeling. No, they do that. You know the sign I'm talking about that lists like the six, all- seven kisses. Um, you never yeah. see a no fat shaming sign outside of a cheesecake factory. Like where, where are you going to say, Chris? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, can you go up to the counter? I'm like, excuse me, do you know where's uh, some place where I can fat shame? <laughs> Into your Siri, <laughs> fat shaming nearby. <laughs> yeah. 
Maybe. <laughs> Bad shame. I gotta tell this story because uh, I, I don't know. Uh, when my dad visited, um, my mom and dad visited New York over, you know, whatever, over a year ago, pre-pandemic, obviously, and um, we were just out in like the Lower East Side, and we were having a nice night, and we were like, let's get some ice cream. So I seried ice cream nearby. And the first one uh, that came up, Sierra is like, okay, the nearest ice cream nearby is big gay ice cream. And I saw my like dad, you know, I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's a traditional guy in his sixties from Nebraska. And I just saw him look at it and he just goes, um, uh, what, what else is there? <laughs> <laughs> and and uh i like you know i kind of couldn't help but laugh i was just like oh yeah dad do you want me to look up a uh, super straight custard <laughs> what, like, what did mike rabled what did he think that was like did he think like i think he thinks he's gonna walk in the cones are shaped like little dicks you know what i mean yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, 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 the little swirly machine <laughs> makes it into a dick. You know, the attendant was like, "Hey, hey, honk! What, oh are, you, what are you trying to lick only, today?" Yeah. You know. Yeah, <laughs> like they, yeah. I, people who are weird about that, they just assume that it's going to be like, yeah, extra gay. Like, <laughs> like they're going to slap you on the ass. It's definitely. I've been. I went when I was first visited New York, and I was eighteen, and I I saw that, and I was like, holy shit, dude! Like, holy shit, big gay. And I went, and it's such a letdown because yeah. it's just an ice cream shop. It's it's just an ice cream shop yeah. with a rainbow on the logo. Yeah. I, I sued for false advertising. I said, this isn't, this, is, this, yeah. is, this isn't gay enough. <laughs> this was not gay enough. <laughs> the man who scooped my ice cream Wendy's was ad, not where's gay. Where's the gay? <laughs> <laughs> it is funny because it's just like, you know, people who are older, they're, they're not, they don't, they don't necessarily want to be prejudiced. They don't carry it around like a badge like some other people do. Like some like Trump supporter type people will be like, "Yeah, no, yeah. it's Merry Christmas." You know, they're really. A, but yeah. like I remember my my dad visited New York and we were walking around and like we just turned a corner and there was just gay couple who were just like really making out, like really aggressively going at it. Yeah. I tell I could tell my dad was <laughs> had never seen that in his life. And the first time he saw it, he was 53. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was just too much too soon for him. Like you got to be gradually into put introduced to that. And I just remember him just going like, Oh my God. I feel like, <laughs> with, with, I feel like your dad in New York is just constantly going, <laughs> like, <laughs> just sighing going, uh, let's get out of here i'm gonna go hunt some ghosts <laughs> just walking around figures what losers now let's go hunt ghosts <laughs> oh man so funny oh, taking man. midwestern or yeah new york is what's well, a stimulus yeah. overload well, new york can be it really is like the first time i, I remember some comics that moved up here and they were like 
I had one guy had a really hard time where he was like, I, I can't sleep at night. It's just too loud. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Are you tired? Go to bed. <laughs> no, he was just so like, you know, and now he's back in Florida and he's like much happier now and stuff. But I was also like, it's just so weird. I, I, Cause, I, mean, I just, just couldn't relate to it so at all. Seamlessly, man. But I well, <laughs> I mean, I was, uh, I was born here. And it was here until I was like six or seven. So it was like not a big deal. I always oh, wanted really? to live here. But like, I didn't, I didn't I just know you think were born here. I don't know. I guess. It, uh, yeah. I thought you I were guess. just straight 100% born yeah. and bred Florida born trash. In- I had no idea. That you, I, I thought you were a thoroughbred. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Flor- <laughs> Florida trash by way of That's Brooklyn. in your comedy bio. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm more low. <laughs> yeah. I'm more local than a lot of these fucking Williamsburg kids. I've been, I was there way before them. I just wanted to be here. My first apartment was like, I literally (laughs) put my last penny down to get my first apartment. I had to pay $150 a week to stay at this Hispanic lady's apartment. One of the rooms in her apartment, but she wouldn't let me use the kitchen. (laughs) That makes me laugh so much. (laughs) Literally, she was like, you can move in, but you're not allowed to use the kitchen at all. So I couldn't use the kitchen in any way. So I just stayed in my room and there was a gyro cart down the street. So often for dinner, I would just go downstairs, get a gyro, bring it upstairs and eat it in my futon bed. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I always picture Whitmer just like walking through the apartment and just seeing the mom and her son, like just eating in the kitchen, (laughs) just having to pass them by and they just give them dirty looks. (laughs) Get back in your home. You were allowed to. (laughs) It's, but I like, I want, I wanted to be here though. So it's like, whatever, dude, this is great. (laughs) This is the best apartment I've ever had. (laughs) He says as he and his wife just moved into a new one. No, no, no. I mean, yeah. like at the time, that was my mindset is like, this is the best place I've ever had <laughs> because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm alone in New York City. Like, this is the best. Ray, yeah. you moved up here it. with the express <laughs> intent it. to do yeah. and pursue comedy, correct? How many, how much it, comedy yeah. had you done pre New York? Move? Yeah. Oh, that's even better. Zero. The first time I ever got on yeah. stage was at New York Comedy Club. Um, I went on stage and then I got off stage and the host of the open mic was like, um, I did decent my first time. And I think it was just because I told everybody it was my first time. And, um, the host of the open mic was like, Hey, I want to, I want to talk to me after the show is over. And I'm like, well, there you go, guys. That's what happens. You move to New York, you, you go to an open mic kill. And then, cause when you're a new person, the host of the open mic is like, a huge star. You're like, yeah, who yeah. is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> he hosts his open mic. Wow. Who well, is was, this? Well, in Orlando, where I started in Orlando, like if you hosted the open mic, you had shit going on. Like that was actually yeah. like, it was actually kind of a thing. So when I got to New York, I was like, I remember asking somebody who uh, hosted at the pair, I was like, how do you host the mic? Like, got to hustle, man. Just got to hustle. And I'm like, really? All you have to do is just ask the bartender. Yeah. Can I host a mic? They're like, yes, yeah. yes, you can. 
You can take um, this guy's mic. <laughs> so the, 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 the open mic host is like, let me talk to you after the show. And I'm like, great. And then after the show, I like, I stayed around and then like, I'm like, Oh, Hey man. And he goes, Oh, Hey. And he clearly forgot. He asked me and I'm like, Oh, you told me to hang out. And he goes, Oh yeah. I, I just want to say that was pretty good for your first time. Anyway, see you later. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, my briefcase okay. of cash. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like, yeah. yeah, my first night of comedy is weird. I'll go. You go ahead, Christian. No, I was just gonna say. I was like, "Hey, can you uh, <laughs> can you get those mops out of that closet and help me, <laughs> help me clean up?" <laughs> and I would have done it. I would have been like, "Of course, sir." <laughs> After that, I walked from the New York Comedy Club. It was the only one was on Gramercy back then. I walked all the way down to the village because I still hadn't like gotten the sense of the um, subway system. And I walked, I was trying to find the comedy cellar and I finally mm. found it. I walked by it like three times because it's just like, you don't think to look down like that. And I get to the comedy cellar and there, uh, Louis uh, CK is shooting like season two of the show, Louis. And he's in the cellar, like, and I'm standing on the outside and they have all like the cameras and all the equipment sitting on the street and stuff. And there's like a sign and shit, you know, um, you know, shooting and all this other stuff. And I'm sitting there like looking at this, like so mesmerized by it. And then this comedian comes up who just started. He's still around. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say his name because I mean, this guy quite honestly terrifies me as a person. So, uh, but he was standing next to me and we got to talking a little bit. He's like, yeah, I just started comedy. And I'm like, oh, me too. When you talked a little bit. And then like Louie walked up the stairs uh, after performing or after doing something related to the show. And he like went over, like he's, he just paused in front of the top stair at the cellar. And then this comic next to me goes, there he is. But it was like so aggressive as if like, like he, like he wanted to like go run up and like punch him. Like he, like he was a mafia <laughs> guy or you know what I mean? That was so, and like Louie kind of looked over like, what is this? And then he went and like, he went and talked to his like director or something and then he smoked a cigarette and then he went to walk by us and he like walked into the street and crossed the street just to avoid the both of us. Because of the- <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember going like, I creeped out Louis CK my first day ever in comedy. It, is a, uh, it sounded like you were going to like mug him like the, there he is. Get him. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, and like I'm a big guy, and the guy, this other guy was a big guy, so it's just these two big goons. That's a good uh, first comedy story, Chrissy. Where'd you first get up, dude? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Orlando, Austin's Coffee House, and uh, Orlando, Winter Park, Florida. I practiced and practiced and practiced, and I fucking went up. And it was pretty good. I did okay for the first time. And um, <clears throat> then I was I practiced this five minutes over and over. I dude, I could recite it backwards and forwards. So I did it. And then uh, the next night I went to the other bar, which was like this big ass, like the big open mic in town. It was like actually a show. So then mm-hmm. I signed up for the other bar and uh, I got in at the end of the list and they were like, uh, so I was like just waiting and waiting and waiting all night and they were running out of time. They had to be done at like 1030. So once it got up, there was like me and two other people left and the uh, host was like, all right, you got time, but you got to cut it down to three minutes. And I was like, I don't know how to do that because <laughs> I'd, <only, clears throat> I'd only ever practice that five minutes. So I just kept going. So I just did like my five and it, I didn't do well. 
But I just kept going because right. I didn't know how to stop because I was like, yeah. I have to end it. Like I have to land the plane. Like there's no, like yeah. I can't stop in the middle. And then like they, they gave me the light. They fucking flashed like the house lights. They basically like cut off my mic. And then the host, <laughs> <laughs> and then the host went on stage and was like, all right, that's the end of the mic. Uh, we ran out of time. The last guy just took all the time. I fucked two people over. You did two minutes extra, though. What were they going to give to split the two minutes? Like, oh, I don't man, know. You, but they didn't yeah, get to go up there. Like, so, you'd be yeah. more successful if you didn't burn that bridge, man. <laughs> it was in Los Angeles. Right, what was your uh, first time? When I was interning and at the Conan show. And I was 18. I had no friends. And all the other interns were, like, going out and doing stuff. And I remember... I remember driving 45 minutes in traffic to get there and I remember being so nervous and like almost, almost like filmic, like put my, I remember being right outside. It was a place called Marty's and I remember like you, you know, Marty's I've been there. Yeah, oh, I did. Really? I, yeah, I did it. I did stand. It was my yeah, yeah. I did an open an open mic there. It's, yeah, it was it, weird. It's weird and incredibly it was weird and kind sad. of sad. And I was like, I was terrified. And I remember <laughs> like almost my hand hovering over the doorknob to enter, and I couldn't do it. I turned around and drove an hour home, and just hating myself the entire drive home. Like yeah. you chicken, like how could you have chickened out? Like just do it. And I went back the next night, and the rest is history. Um, no. no, I went back the next night, Ooh. and there were three. There was three <laughs> comics in it, and I, I, I still like Marty, yeah. who this is just like a little cottage industry for him. He just was like, "Yeah, it's five dollars to get up, game five bucks." And I remember halfway through my set, yeah. a comedian who was like in one of the earlier rows, empty room, three people. Like just shook his head, went ugh, and then he was already on his phone, and he he literally turned <laughs> the seat so that it was his back of the head was facing me, and I was like, you know, just like man, yeah. I really suck. And in retrospect, you're like, what? Being on your phone wasn't enough of an affront to it. Like you ha- had to turn around. <laughs> Jesus when Christ. I went there, the Marty's picture, yeah. Marty's face is like on the back wall or something, right? Like it's painted on, there's like a mural of Marty in the back wall. But like, I remember I went there and there was like, it was like three people in a room that was too big. And then there's like a little stage, some chairs. And then like past that is like kind of an office or something. So while the mic was going on, there was just some dude on like a computer like just surfing, like surfing the web, like not like doing work or anything. He was just like, he didn't work there. He was just like, what I assume was a comic that like just hangs out there. And in my head, I tell myself that that was Gerard Carmichael (laughs) (laughs) before he was famous. Yeah. That guy uh, later learned Marty was a bit of a, uh, you know, a bit of a miscreant, but uh, I don't have no idea. I don't know. Is it true? Oh, okay, because I've asked about that place. Oh, wow. People from um, LA are like, yeah, it's still yeah. there. Good for, I hope Marty's still, uh, I'm sure that was the place that like charged internet per minute. <laughs> it seemed like it was a shitty place. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> it's so yeah. fun, the, the idea of like an internet cafe and how like quickly that idea died. 
Yeah. Like when it first started, people were probably like, that's such a great business model because the computers are so in right now and people need computers, dude, this is a great business model. And then like five years later, it's like, this is the shittiest business model. (laughs) Everybody has the internet. What's this for? What am I going to do with all these 98 desktops? <laughs> like yeah. every year yeah, you have like to like a high overhead these too. Desktops. Yeah, you have to have 90 computers. Yeah. God damn. So did you fellas watch Man. the Oscars? Did you do that? You see this? No. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, I felt like we were coming back from we had a ba- our baby shower and we were coming back from that. And uh and then I got home and they were like it was like in such a weird order and it was like, it seemed really awkward. Like they were just in like a room and then all of a sudden like Lil Rel came out and was just asking people kind of questions. Well, it it didn't seem work. very organized. Kind of like he did a game where they were like, guess this song from this Oscar nominated movie. And then like they had the lady who played Billie Holiday they're like, uh, Purple Rain, was this nominated? Did it win? Or blah, blah, blah. And she's like, she just cursed a bunch. <laughs> so I don't know exactly what she said. And then they're like, wow, you can't say that on the Oscars. And then they went up to Glenn Closer. Like, they played her the song The Butt. And then she knew it. Like, she knew everything about the song. She's like, this is from the Go Go Band from Washington, D.C. This song is called The Butt. And it was made popular in like 1980. <laughs> and uh, sorry. And then she um, she did the dance. Hold up. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, embarrassing. That's the thing about the Oscars; it's become so embarrassing and just cringy. Like I just can't even muster the the strength to watch it. It's just, it's just you just know someone's going to get political. And I don't know. I, tr- I I tried this bit too at one point too. It's like every one of those things is like the actors are on stage and they're like talking to the audience, which is us. And they're saying things like Hollywood needs more diversity. We need more in- inclusion, this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, why are you telling me though? Like you work there, <laughs> you work in Hollywood, you know, the producers, you know, like it's your industry. It's your job. Like That's- what is the, what is it? What do I have to do with it? Like this is, isn't this a conversation for you to have with your boss? Like what, like, why are you telling me any of this? It's just, it, it, and then they're they're just so full of shit because like <clears throat> you're lecturing us about why your industry need has problems. Right. It's like fix your problems. What is it like? It's and then Brett and I were talking about this actually last night. Like, like, like with the Me Too stuff and like when they did uh, the Golden Globes, everybody wore black and all this other shit. And I, I was talking, Brett, like, I heard, like, <clears throat> I have no connections to the show business whatsoever. And at the time, I heard two stories. I, ha- I had even less connections to show business than I do now, which is zero. <laughs> so um, I heard the, uh, one second. <clears throat> um, I heard two stories about Kevin Spacey being, like, a predator. Two different stories, but if I heard it, if I heard this shit, <laughs> yeah. that they all knew it. There's no, no way they didn't all know it. They all fucking knew it. How does I hear it from at a bar in New York from a guy? I, I went. To, I was at a bar and this guy comes in and he's like a bouncer at like a bowling alley, like one of the fame, like um, really celebrity packed bowling alleys. And he was just he just came from working this like a uh, celebrity event. 
and at this event, Daniel Ratliff, the Dan- the Harry Potter actor, was there. And he was like, dude, Kevin Spacey got drunk and tried to fuck Daniel Ratliff the entire night. And this is when he <laughs> and then he and the guy was basically like, yeah, he does this a lot. He's into the younger guy. And like, I'm hearing this. I'm like, fucking, yeah. I was 20, 24. This is right. 2012 in New York City. And then another person I knew had a friend whose like cousin was this dude who worked as like a PA and like he was apparently a really handsome guy and also on the younger side. And when he worked on this film with Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey like wouldn't stop texting him and try to like hook up with him. So like I heard these stories. I had like there's no way everybody didn't know. So like <laughs> yeah. and then they act all incredulous and they do all these like, oh, my God, I can't believe. So it's like I think that they're all so full of shit. They all knew exactly what was going on. I mean, we were watching 30 Rock um, and there was fucking jokes about Harvey Weinstein and like fucking 2015 or there 14, was? 13 or what? whatever being the, a creep? Years the, the show was on the air. So like we all, yeah, yeah, being a creep. Like literally like, like yeah, exactly. 100% being a creep. So it's like everybody knew everything and then they acted so incredulously and acted like their industry. And I don't know. I guess my whole point is, is I think they're all full of shit and like, the, the, all these award shows that just become like a pulpit for them to go up and like just just spew all this shit that they they honestly don't even believe. They're just trying to get woke points but it, and collect social capital. But by Hollywood, I think it's proven. And it's just First, boring. I want to go back. I would like to see how Kevin Spacey. What were his pickup lines on on Daniel Radcliffe? Like I'm just picturing like ah oh, the boy who lived. <laughs> How would you like? To, how would you like to be the boy who fucked <laughs> Harry Potter and the multiple orgasms? Yeah. Juan <laughs> chooses the wizard. <laughs> but um, Hollywood really has truly, truly. It's because honestly, I'm a little not like fearful, but I think Hollywood is really expended its social capital and made it got under 10 million viewers for the first time ever. Uh, The Oscars got under 10 million viewers. I don't even know what it was. Yeah. I don't know if it was a Zoom event. I don't know. I don't truly don't give a fuck. I think Hollywood is at an all time low for its cultural importance and significance. It's also a boring, it's a boring show and it's uh, the movies that get, I mean, everybody says this, but the movies that get nominated are not the movies everybody sees. It's true. And stuff. And also, 2020, it was, no, I, for, in my yeah. opinion, wasn't a great year for movies. Like everything that anybody was going to see anyway got pushed back to this year. So it's like you're going to get seven Marvel movies at the end of the year. But, um, but even, even still, it's like, like, all right, I saw Judas and the Black Messiah. I thought that was like the best movie of the year, in my opinion. I don't yeah. know if a lot of people saw Nomad Land. It's not a movie that in any, in a normal year, I don't think a lot of people would have seen, but it's the Oscars are like a, a, a commercial for like Nomad Land. Like, best picture is a, now a bunch of people are going to watch Nomad Land this weekend that probably wouldn't have. But like for the most part, it's like all the movies are just bummers. It's like one, the father is about like some dude with Alzheimer, Alzheimer's. The Nomad Land is about like nomads that work at Amazon and live in poverty and shit. Um, 
Judas and the Black Messiah's Black Pain movie. Um, and just, they're all, it's promising young woman is, you know, stylish, but it's also, it's just about rape. Uh, <laughs> like, I didn't even know what else was there. Like, Mank yeah. is like the only like Hollywood type movie. But even that's like a little dark. Alcoholism they just need to shit. stop. They just it's need just to stop bummer. trying so hard to be important. It's really that simple. Like the best directors, I yeah. don't think they've tried to be that important. They're obviously trying to tell a great story and be interesting and compelling. But like the amount, did we already say this in the yeah. podcast? The amount of yeah. like dash activist, I feel like Hollywood people have added to their bios yeah. is probably in an eye rolling the it's yeah. not a high because you're not like doing it's also, activism yeah. when you're yeah. yelling about it and you're already in the most privileged career for people very successful in Hollywood. The, the rich artist class is shut the fuck up. You fuck off. You don't get to complain about anything. Yeah. And it's like, it's also everything is just so on the nose. It's like lazy. We're like, you can be inspired by what's going on and make art that is inspired and that might even have a message somewhere deep down in it. But it's not just so on the nose. Like I think about like the seventies and how like a lot of movies that came out, um, like, uh, it was like the post Watergate era. It's like, the all time lowest trust in government, Vietnam, like, and like there were movies that came out like the parallax view and like uh three, is it three nights of the three days of the three condor, days of the condor yeah. three days of the condor. There's these movies that are like very conspiratorial and very like the government's up to something. And they're just very good movies that have stories that on their own are just really good. And like, uh, they're not so like on the fucking nose about it. You know what I mean? Like you watch some yeah. of these movies, like the, the one that um, uh, promising young woman, it's just like, it's just so on the fucking nose about it. Like we get it. Rapes, rapes but, bad and people ignored it. Yeah. Like, and like it sucks. And like, you know, you want to make a story about it and like do whatever you want to do. That's fine. But like, you just watch it and like, I don't know, that movie just drove me nuts because every male character in that movie was the biggest piece of shit. There wasn't one redeemable male character except the one guy in the movie who killed himself. And I'm not going to say who it was, but he used to be bad. And then he became good because he felt so guilty about being bad that he it's killed himself. So the only male in the whole movie who, who, who <laughs> redemption arc was a guy who committed suicide, by the way, I mean, regardless of all the mental health shit that's going on right now during a pandemic when there's a lot of people killing themselves. Yeah. So that's not like that's like a hero's way out. So it's like, I thought that movie was fine. I just think that's super know, lazy. Earlier today, I had I a know, just to me, small it's like, brush with, I won't say like Hollywood, but uh, basically one of my friends, I'm working on a pilot with him. So I went up to his apartment in the Upper West Side. And uh, he has work at 1230. He got hired to write for a new network show that is being uh, produced by Mike Schur of The Office, Parks and Rec. So it's like the, oh, cool. yeah. you know, probably a preeminent yep. and comedy show. And it's great for him. It's awesome. But we finished writing at 1230 and I'm like, can I just work here for 30 more minutes? I had to do some administrative nonsense. And he's like, yeah. And I can hear him in his office in, in the writer's room 
And I just hear them talking about, they were talking about renaming stuff and the shit they were saying to me, it was so frustrating because it, I guess maybe I'm not the most informed, but I think I am more informed. It was all of this, we have figured it out and we are right. And let's just kowtow to what anyone who's woke says or woke and or woke people of color. Because sometimes there's a tendency to just associate woke people of color as people of color. And then you and just uh-huh. to tell them they're right yeah, and yeah. not treat them as equals, which is to say, be willing to poke holes in their ideas if you don't agree. So what they were saying was one of the ideas, one of them before, I don't even know who, uh-huh. could have been Mike Sure, could have been whoever the fuck was, uh, you know, that's what I think. I think we should just rename, we should just rename everything every 50 years. That was like the kind of theory slash maybe slightly jokey, but like, let's just rename everything every 50 years because things change and that person's not going to be good by the new standards. And they were, uh, Lincoln came up and they were like, even Lincoln, like, Remember, like people will be like, he invited Frederick Douglass to the White House, but like Lincoln wanted to send everyone back to Africa. Uh, and like, you know, and he was going to pay him. And that's almost true. And I've heard liberal people say that Lincoln, Lincoln did at one point want to send black people back to Africa. You know why? Because he thought that's what they wanted. He thought truly black people and white people weren't able to coexist. He didn't really <laughs> like slavery. He was trying to like, appeal to both. And then guess what happened? He invited a congregation of black intellectuals to the white house. And then they told him, we identify somehow, even despite this country oppressing us, we somehow identify as Americans and we love this country. And you know what Lincoln did? He changed his view, but these fucking idiots just lock it in as if that's what he forever believed so that we can pretend like we know more and are more understanding. And this idea that you're more understanding or more liberal or good or whatever, because you just more willingly say everything and everyone was a piece of shit from the past. I fucking resent it. I was literally like on the couch and only I would be boiling about this because I hear people like not understanding history or Lincoln, which I have a passion for because I'm an idiot. But like it just I was just fucking boiling. And these are the ones who think they're smart. Like I just wanted to argue with them and not even argue, just yeah. like combat their ideas because they're all in this smart. We all make uh, two hundred thousand dollars a year minimum from writing stage and like they're just all agreeing and i just wanted someone to give pushback and be like okay rename everything every 50 years okay so let's take your name off your show how about that let's just take your name off your show because you're gonna be you're gonna be offensive yeah. in 50 years so it shouldn't yeah. say produced by mike sure yeah. anymore how do you like that how do you right. like that dickhead I don't know if it was Mike Sure, but whoever this dickhead white guy, I, it was definitely a white guy. Whoever it was, I just wanted yeah. to give pushback. That's all. I I heard somebody talk about uh, their experience. I think it was like Jay Moore or somebody talking about their experience writing on SNL. He's like, those guys were all Harvard guys. And like, they just like, they were kind of nerds. And he goes, they didn't want to go out and like party and like do stuff. Like they were like, they would stay up till 3 a.m. Like writing a sketch about like, all right, debating about like, well, should we call the high school Roosevelt high school? No, that's too, 
Urban. Uh, are we like, are you guys comedy? Like, are you writing jokes? Or are you guys just fucking? fucking right. He's like, and he's like, me and Dave Attell would write a sketch in like ten minutes with dick and fart jokes, <laughs> and then be out and like doing spots. <laughs> right. I actually heard Louis talking about this too in like an old interview, and he was talking about like a lot of comedy writers and these like elitist Harvard type people, and it's like they're not comedians, so they actually they kind of have contempt for their audience and they think mm-hmm. they're smarter than their audience. And like, that's why like they took away like live performances on sitcoms and they stopped doing th- yeah. them. They would, they put in a laugh track cause they're like, we know where the laugh is supposed to be and we'll put yeah. it in because we know our jokes are funny. We don't need an audience to tell us. And like, that's such a, yeah. Actually, like, exactly what you, you need. <laughs> you need an audience. Like you need yeah. an audience. You need the feedback. You need the relationship. And like, I'm not going to lie, like as a comedian, like there is some uh, somewhat of an adversarial role with the between the comedian and his audience. But it's also like a partnership, like it needs to work like you can't yeah. do either well with the bad version of each. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it just makes me that that's just another thing. It's no, just totally. all deaf. They have no experience with any of this shit. Yeah, they always they always say comedy is hard, but it's like it's kind of easy because it, it either works and or it doesn't. Yeah, work. there's a reason <laughs> it didn't work, and then you right. try and dissect why it didn't work. But it, it really, yeah, it's and just these right, fucking yeah. it's it's just all praising themselves for like we should re, should we really rename everything once every fifty years? You know how hard that would be. Like, are you actually saying ideas, or are you just trying to like? sound like like yeah. do you do you even logistically know how much money i would spend on so- like do you think do you think or are you just being a dumb liberal yeah it's also like yeah it's like they fucking renamed the triborough bridge the rfk bridge but like most of us still call the triborough bridge <laughs> like you know what i mean like if you're changing the name of the school every couple of years it's like people are just gonna have whatever dude it's ps 150 or whatever like it's just like we're gonna call it what they call it. It's like it's that's the thing. It's another. It's a useless platitude. No, it, it yeah, means nothing. And I'm not to do person. that. And it's 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 like it, I get it. I get that there there might be like really offensive relics that we still have, and maybe we don't know that they're offensive. Uh, we don't know that their origin because we're generally an uneducated, uninformed body of people. And maybe the goal here would be to educate people and to realize, hey, this is why this statue in particular is offensive. And then you could be like, oh, that's an interesting conversation. We all learned something. Let's have a discussion whether we should keep it up or take it down. But you can make the argument if you leave it up, you stay, we have the conversation and people talk and people know. Whereas if like you just like completely cleanse our whole history to make it whitewash it, to make it seem like everything yeah. has been awesome. It does a disservice to like the people who really struggled and like those, that's a real story of the country. So if we want to just ignore it and pretend like it never happened, like we can, I guess, but like, wouldn't it be better to not and like keep a Lincoln's name on a school and be like, yeah, we have nuance. We can, two things can be true at the same time. You know, it's like they don't, you know, Abe Lincoln could be a very honorable person in a lot of ways and his opinions over time may not have aged well, but that doesn't mean anything other than the context changed in today's day. And what the fuck? I mean, it's just like you can't, I always, I've been saying it for a while now. We live in the, the death of nuance. 
like the age that killed nuance. There's no more nuance. It's either like you're a Nazi or you're a communist or you're fired or you're canceled or you can't, there's no redemption. There's no nothing. It's just all or nothing. There's no nuance anymore at all. But that'll, that, sorry, real quick, but that also goes to your point about like how movies, uh, you said were becoming so on the nose. It's like, they kind of have to, because like the level, the level of like, uh, you know, interpretation of this stuff is like, it's only at the level of like allegory. Like people can only comprehend like a one to one analogy. No, It's just like, you know, I just, (laughs) it's just funny just being on the outside of it. And like, obviously it would be a dream to work in the writer's room like that. But then on the other hand, you're like, would I really be myself? And I'm like, I think I'm going to try and only ever be myself. And I'm going to be willing to like, be a real, yeah. uh, you know, just be a real person who isn't afraid of disagreeing with people. I had one of those, like, and and uh, did I tell you guys like uh, a few weeks ago? I was hanging with a few, friend, a couple friends, and then their one of their friends came over, and uh, she was she's a black woman in her mid thirties, and uh, we we're just music debating. Music came up, and Beyonce versus Taylor Swift. That was the debate, and the. Yeah, and everyone said Beyonce, and, and I said, said Taylor Swift Beyonce. is better. I believe for I think she's better than Beyonce, and there's like this like association of Beyonce's art with being informed and understanding and empathetic toward black issues and the and black culture and black oppression, black culture, and yeah. I, it just is like I don't have to like I can get it, and then also think there's a better artist because that person, one of them writes their songs and the other one doesn't. And I can also understand it's like a waste of Beyonce's talents. Like that she can't write. Like she, that's like a waste of her talents to put a pen to paper. Like she's an icon. Why would she write? And, but also I think it's an argument on like authorship over art. Like I think writers are the best and that's like my point of view. And, uh, and I, the, here's the honest thing. The the woman genuinely said how much she was enjoying it because someone was giving her pushback because I wasn't just going Beyonce better. And I because I said yeah. that now I'm I've proved that I get it. I was being myself, and it's okay that mm-hmm. for a complex yeah. confluence of reasons I identify with T Swift more. Maybe some of it is certainly tied to you know being white and like just like <laughs> cultural. It's just been in my cultural uh, milieu or whatever the fuck more. And it's okay to, for, to, as long as I'm being real though, it's okay. Like it's not racist to think Beyonce's not that great. Uh, and someone actually liked that. I was fucking real about thinking Taylor Swift is infinity better than Beyonce, not infinity, but just better than Beyonce. It's also like they well, shouldn't be really. It's fun compared. to compare pop cultural really, pieces. I don't know, but like, you're you're right. Yeah, I, I. But it's like I don't know. Sometimes when people compare, I know what you mean. I don't know. I. It's just, just to me, it's like, and Beyonce is more of an entertainer, and Taylor Swift is more of a songwriter artist. And like, granted, they both cross over into each other at times, and. And stuff. I know Taylor Swift does music videos where she's a, and she performs live and stuff like that. So you can say she's an entertainer, but like to me, like the heart and soul of her music is like 
her music is like the, the point of it. Whereas Beyonce, it's like the show. It's like the spectacle. It's like, I'm going to see Beyonce and the whole concert is like these crazy pyrotechnics and all these crazy other people, background dancers doing crazy things. And like, you know, it's a whole thing where right? I mean, I, I'm never, to be fair, I've never been to either one of their concerts. Sarah went to a Beyonce concert and that's how I know, you know, what their concerts are like. But like when you see them perform live, even like on TV, like they they're they're very different in what they kind of do. So I don't know. I think Beyonce, I think she without being super informed on her music, I would guess that she probably had like yeah. one, maybe two the, great the- albums. Where yeah, is I mean the main Taylor Swift probably has like five. Uh, yeah, I would they say probably both have probably a like similar amount of great albums. The yeah. main point being, just because someone is saying Beyonce elevates blackness and that is true, doesn't mean it and instantly just makes it better art or yeah. whatever. And uh, I would argue there's a yeah. sense of yeah. mercenariness going on. Beyonce's just she's black female Elvis. Like, what do you want me to yeah. say? who in recent years has sw- swam yeah. for good reason in a lane. And I actually respect her for not just being like mainstream commercialized pop anymore. Cause she wanted to do music. I think of a higher calling and I respect that she's not uh, that she is taking bigger swings and bringing more important issues to her music. And that should be commended. But at the same time, bitch don't write. So what do you want me to say? And the fact that I was a bit of like a provocative <laughs> asshole and it's just like, I just, it's like people can't even have honest conversations sometimes about fucking music. It's harmless. Well, everybody has like, everybody has their disclaimer, like, and like uh, everybody talks like press human press releases now. Like I, I watch, um, like Sarah works with the view and obviously, and like she, the, the show that's on before the view is the show called Tamron hall. And like every guest on Tamron hall literally just speaks in like buzzwords. It's like every guest is like, like, yes, I'm on my journey for in- inclusion and we wanted more representation. And like, you just listen to the way they talk about everybody's the same. And like, no one has a personality. This Everybody my, is just yeah. so fucking boring. And they're just, they're just a buzzword press release machine. Like no one is authentic. My it's favorite like so white person thing to, to hear is, uh, especially around when they're called a racist, is this vague assert- assertion that they're doing the work. It's like, what are you doing? Are you working at a fucking school in the inner city now? Or did you just read Robin D'Angelo's White Fragility? Yeah. That's that's not doing the work. Plus, that book is moronic. Anyway, Christian, go ahead. No, (laughs) well, two things. It's like, that's always happened in Hollywood. Because, like, even in the Ashton Kutcher days was, like, he was the first guy to be like, um, I'm not really religious. I'm spiritual. And then everybody like aped his, his yeah. thing. And everybody would say, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. Be just because they're you know what I am? stupid. Like they're just dumb and they don't have opinions. They just yeah. take the, they just try to figure out what Fuck the right that. I'm over it. I'm, I'm, I'm religious. It. I'm not spiritual. Fuck that. I'm, I'm all in on the dogma, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, who who thought between trucker hats and spirituality how much influence Ashton Kutcher has on everybody? So much, but but I do, yeah. I do like um, 
like lately I've noticed that like if I get in conversations with people, especially people I'm not like super close with and they, they try to talk to me about, you know, just anything like, and I'll take, I'll sort of take the anti-black side, <laughs> not on like police brutality or anything. Like, I'm not going to be like, well, you know, George Floyd was high on meth. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I just like it, like that kind of thing. And like the Beyonce thing, I just, I might take the Taylor Swift side just to see what their reaction is. And they uh-huh. like, it, it's, it's so weird. Cause it's like a robot sort sh- short circuiting a little bit. Like they don't really know <laughs> like what the next thing to say is. They're like, yeah. uh, well, uh, uh, I just, I'm like, yeah, I just think Beyonce is a little bit up her own ass and she doesn't speak to me. They're like, um, uh, cause uh, it's uh, racist yeah, yeah. when liberals just assume there's black. It's just the black. You fucking yeah, man. Yeah. I, I, Christian, I I love that you yeah. can uh, yeah. fuck with people's uh, you know because I look you know look at me I I look like a guy who wouldn't get Beyonce and I'm like no I get it I just yeah. don't have to say it's the best because it's about really important stuff. Same with a lot of these important movies. Yeah. Huh. I've never gotten. I've never gotten her, her like deification has been weird. She's just, I mean, she's just a really big star, but there's also parts of me that think she's like, every, sometimes I read stuff that sure, I'm like, she's yeah. probably an asshole. Um, one thing I, well, this is like just pure conjecture, but I heard something <laughs> that she has really bad breath. And um, the other thing. <laughs> and, what a great rumor. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, I that she was mean like or something. No, <laughs> no, 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 she does. Yeah. And um, what, what was the other one? Oh, yeah. I just read about The Princess and the Frog. Do you remember that movie? It's a Disney mm-hmm. movie. It was like the last yeah. 2D animated Disney movie, right? So I was reading like trivia about that because I, that's what I do on Wednesdays. Apparently Um, (laughs) I I was just reading about it. And uh, one of the little trivia notes was that like the main character, um, Beyonce was like, how do I put this? She was like mad that she didn't get the role, but she assumed they were just going to give it to her. Like nobody reached out to her or anything that she, she didn't audition for it. Cause she just assumed they were going to give it to her. <laughs> and then like somebody auditioned from like American Idol or something and got it. And she was upset about that apparently, but it's just like, she like, so funny. She expressed no interest. Yeah. <laughs> like nobody, <laughs> nobody, she just assumed she was going to get it because I am like, well, I am the queen of black. That is, so that is very, why funny. wouldn't you give that to me? Yeah. A friend of mine, the first Disney Black Princess. Sorry. Yeah, a friend of mine worked at a um, another. It's a, the second upscale bowling alley story I have. About you told Manhattan. me about this. <laughs> um, she was a manager there, and like, they, it's like a club in a bowling alley mixed together, where like it's very loungy and cool, and the lights are dark and everything, and the music's loud and stuff. But then there's bowling alleys that are like lit up and all this other stuff. Well, apparently Beyonce was there for some sort of thing. And she was standing on like the bowling alley part of it wearing heels. And they always say like, if you are going to stand in that area, you need to have on bowling shoes. So she walks up to Beyonce and she's like, excuse me, Miss Knowles or whatever. Like um, you you need to be wearing these shoes if you want to stand there. And Beyonce sees her looking at her, basically telling her this. And then she looks over at her like security guy. And then he goes, what did she say to me? So if that gives you an idea is like, 
of of Beyonce, you know, and you know, whatever. I mean, it's like when you are, thing, right. she's been famous since she's been a kid, I guess, and you know, yes, you get everything you exactly want, and like she expected to be a Disney princess, so like you know, that's it's true. like your life's different than everybody else's. So you're gonna be a little bit of a bitch, and this, that, and the other doesn't mean anything, you know, whatever. But with that being all said, right, guys. I think that's a good place to wrap. We figured it out. <laughs> we figured it all out. Uh, guys, uh, like to tell what do you want to plug? Read Robin DiAngelo's White Fragility and um, twice to realize that twice. Know, whiteness is something you can't recover <laughs> from. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, whatever, dude. YouTube, mm-hmm. Brett Rabel. <laughs> I also like to promote a book. It's called Mind Comp. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, uh, just go to youtube.com slash Nick Whitmer. Uh, Christian Duran Comedy.com for all your Christian Duran needs. King Latifah streaming on all streaming platforms, including Netflix. Why not? Spotify, <laughs> Amazon, <laughs> iTunes, everywhere you get your music. Stream that shit. Help yeah, me out. If you're listening, go on Netflix and search my name a bunch, and maybe the Netflix <laughs> people will be like, who is this person they're searching for? And then they maybe they'll call me. So do that. Sounds good. Peace. Anyway, thanks so much, guys. Have a nice Peace. week. Peace.